The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number one. We just grabbed every key demographic. <laughs> to the lows. You're fire! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers Podcast. Now, here's your host, Stephen Strom. Stephen Strom here, Sports Talkers Podcast. Hope everyone had a fantastic 4th of July weekend. Today we have a special guest, Danny Parkins of 670 to score. What a spot with him. So much knowledge and insight. Can't wait to share it with you in a couple seconds. But before, let me first tell you to rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We are up there. We also change our Twitter name to BSM Staff. It was um, Jason's personal or something. I think it was Sports Radio PD, whatever it was. We now changed our uh, Twitter at to BSM Staff, just so you guys are updated on that. Again, we're on BarrettSportsMedia.com. My Twitter DMs are always open at SSTROM underscore. Okay, Danny Parkins, on his journey from Chicago to Syracuse to Kansas City, back to Chicago, get into a little bit of some tough conversations uh, about the incident, Highland Park, Illinois, and just honestly some fantastic insight on how to reach out to PDs, how to get noticed, and um, just a bunch of other great stuff. So without further ado, here is Danny Parkins. I've been looking forward to uh, having you on here because it's a unique story. You're from Chicago. Uh, this is researching slash what's really stalking. You went to Syracuse, to ESPN Radio. You produced for a year. Then you were at, in Kansas City. And now you've you found a home where you grew up in Chicago at 670 The Score. I guess, first of all, I mean, are, are you kind of the, the American dream here, living it out? You're, you grew up in Chicago. I'm sure this is where you wanted to be, ultimately. Kind of walk us through that. Uh, yeah, you know, I uh, sometimes joke that my dream job was to do afternoon drive because I didn't love waking up early in Chicago. <laughs> I used to intern on Mac, Yurko, and Harry on ESPN 1000. And then I uh, got the job at The Score doing middays uh, when I was 30 and was in afternoons by the time I was like 32, 33. So I should have dreamed bigger. Uh, <laughs> you know, okay. It's like, what do you do when you get the dream job? Uh, now you just try to not get fired from it. But yeah, man, I, uh, I was just like one of the rare kids that um, once the dream of being, you know, the white shooting guard, the John Paxson, Steve Kerr for the Bulls, like once that dream ended and it ended early as like <laughs> the, the, the skinny Jewish white guy with scoliosis, uh, it was like, I still wanted to be around sports and my high school had a radio station. And then I asked the college counselor where the best place to do it was. And they said Syracuse. And then I got into Syracuse and then I joined the radio station and then was unemployed for like basically a year, just doing largely nothing, uh, living in Wrigleyville with my buddies. And then went back out to Syracuse and produced a show for two hours a day, hosted my own show for two hours a day. My big negotiating win was that they gave me six hours a day of pay at nine bucks an hour, uh, two hours to prep, two hours to produce, two hours to host, lived with two random dudes from Craigslist. Then, uh, <laughs> Got my buddy, uh, Nick Wright said, Hey, our mid morning guy is leaving in Kansas city. You should call, um, called Ryan McGuire, left him a overly, uh, a message that was filled with hubris. I was like, I heard you're opening, you got an opening for a show and I'm your guy. You don't need to look. 
And he called me back a few weeks later. And then uh, Kansas City, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Then Kansas City, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Then Kansas City, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then eventually uh, the score after about six years in Kansas City. Unbelievable. There's a lot there. Let's go to Syracuse really quickly because you're a kid from Chicago. Yeah. Um, What did you know about Syracuse? I know you had mentioned you did, you know, radio in high school and did broadcasting in high school. But that is the Mecca. What did you know about Syracuse other than that? Uh, So, I mean, a little, you know, I I knew obviously about the basketball team and and Jim Beheim, right? Mello wins the title in 03. So they were, they were like, certainly like very on the radar. Cause I, I graduated high school in 05. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they were very on the radar in that way. But then when you, like, when you go out there and do the, the campus tour, I only applied to three schools. I applied to Mizzou, Southern Cal and, and Cuse. And uh, because Mizzou had like a thing where if you got a little bit higher, if you got higher than a certain number on an ACT, you automatically got in. Sure. And so I was like, all right, cool. I've got a great journalism school that I can go to or whatever. So I may as well like shoot to the top. And when you tour Syracuse and they like walk you past WAER and they're like, and that's the student radio station that Bob Costas used to work at work at. You're like, what? And then the tour ends and then you go over to WAER on the side and like you like ask if you could come in. And, uh, you know, Joe Lee and Cora Thomas are there and they're like, yeah, sure. You're looking at Syracuse. Here's the wall. And what's the wall? And it's the WAR Hall of Famers. And it's, you know, it's Costas and Tarico and Marv Albert and Ian Eagle and Sean mm-hmm. McDonough and Dave Pash and Nick Wright and Adam Shine and, and all these people. And you're like, oh, well, you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. if, I, if I can get in here, I'd be an idiot <laughs> not yeah. to come here, you yeah. know? I think at the time when you're in college, you may just, there'd be a lot of things coming at you. You don't necessarily... Uh, understand everything that you might be learning. But now that you are sort of a veteran radio host, I know you're younger, but what did Syracuse do you think that kind of separates from other universities? To be honest, it has basically nothing to do with school. Without question, it's the competition. At Syracuse, the radio station has cuts. Like there's tryouts. So you go with the people who, like me, knew what they wanted to do. And so, you know, Nick Wright is running the radio station when he's a senior. Andrew Filipponi, afternoon drive in Pittsburgh, has some of the highest ratings of anyone in the country. Do it is the year ahead of me with Mike Meltzer, who until he just got a law degree and left media and still fills in on Mad Dog Radio. But he's now passed the bar in Texas and California. Brilliant dude. He did morning drive in Houston for like nine years. And then I was the sophomore doing afternoon drive in Chicago. We were like this quartet of basically sports talk degenerates who just like did radio, partied, gambled. And that was basically all we did. And we, you know, critiqued each other, worked together. But then like, so like that was like my core group. I was also very tight with Adam Lefko. He -hmm. currently does the TNT NBA show. And is a megastar. Him and I went to Harry's together for NFL Sundays 20 weeks a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, good friend of mine. At the Daily Orange, the student newspaper, Zach Berman, Jared Diamond, Andy McCullough, and many more that I'm not remembering right now. Were you intimidated when you came in? I mean, did you really embrace that competition? I mean, because obviously, you know, I don't know how much talent was at in high school. But when you uh, walk into a... 
a yeah, studio with these guys. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, a little bit. Like, I remember the first time I saw Nick do a radio show, I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's good. Like, like you know what I mean? And, and what was he doing at that age that you felt like was separating, like, holy crap, this guy's just confidence. Like, it, 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 was, it was simply that he had figured out a way to be him, his 100% authentic self off air, on air. I don't mean to transition into something somber, but I think it's currently relevant after this weekend, especially because you do radio in Chicago uh, and you have led some tough discussions and, and the recent horrific shooting in Highland Park in, in Illinois. You know, Danny, you, you hear a lot of people say stick to sports. Um, you've been a leader on this front, calling out politicians and educating individuals that give you the what about Chicago spiel. Why is that important for you to be vocal about? I mean, this is a whole podcast, man, but um, yeah. So like I was born in the city and then raised in the burbs. I am like the definition of a product of privilege, right? Two parent home, two parent high income home, great schooling, was able to graduate college with very little student loan debt, like took out a loan for one semester of my senior year of college, like, uh, have had every advantage in the world, but I'm, and one of the things that comes with that is like, hopefully like you, you travel good education and like, you realize like that you're a product, like you said, of your environment. I was raised Jewish. I'm not a particularly religious person, but you also, I, I used to go to Jewish school before I went to the North to, to public school in the burbs. You learn about the Holocaust in like second grade. Yep. What, what does this teach you? It teaches you that I was born on the north side of Chicago in 1986. If I had been born on the north side of Poland in 1936, statistically, I don't make it to 18. You can apply that to Chicago and say, if I was born on the south side of Chicago in 1986, it's much less likely that you make it to your 18th birthday. Like we are, I'm lucky. And then when you travel and you are in Israel and you say you're from Chicago, and someone says, ooh, is it safe there? I've had people ask me if Chicago is safe in Mexico and in Israel. That's devastating to someone yeah. who's from this city and loves this city. Like, you know, like, yeah, Chicago's got its problems. No question about it. And Chicago's got a gun violence. Every problem. city has its problems. Right. There's and, levels and, to it, but yeah. Yeah, and Chicago has been used as a political boogeyman because of its size to say, Gun laws don't work because Chicago has tough gun laws and look at Chicago. They don't talk about poverty. They don't talk about uh, racist zoning laws. They don't talk about that it's a 20 minute drive to Indiana that has some of the laxest gun laws and that one out of five guns recovered by police that are used in crimes Mm. come from Indiana and 60% come from out of state. Like they, they do it intentionally. So I, what about Chicago? So for anyone who didn't know, that was the name of this radiothon that I did. The What About Chicago Radiothon broadcast for 24 hours, raised about 700 grand to fund the construction of a grocery store in Austin Harvest, uh, called Austin Harvest in the neighborhood of Austin that employs some kids and addresses a food desert. So to Tremendous me, the radiothon job. is a success because of the grocery store and those kids, but also because hopefully it told the story of stop talking about Chicago that way. What about Chicago, right? It was a defiant thing. You mentioned Highland Park. Highland Park is like 
basically where I grew up. I grew up in Glencoe. The suburb north is Highland Park. Mm. Highland Park is Glencoe. Glencoe is Highland Park. I, the Walker Brothers, the pancake house that had the doors shot out in the shooting is the pancake house that I went to breakfast to easily 20 times yeah. growing up, right? Yeah. Like, um, so this one like hit very close to home. They all are crushing, but like when I was at a parade with my son at 10 a.m., two towns south of Highland Park, 14 mm. minute drive away. He did it at a parade, you know what I mean? Two towns north. If the guy chooses the other parade, I'm right there. So it feels ridiculous to talk about Tony LaRusse's lineup construction when that happens. And because it was gun violence in a white affluent suburb, people still just like lumped in in as Chicago and that shit pisses me off. And so I have somewhat of a platform on social media and on a heritage radio station in this city. And it would feel irresponsible. Like, as a product of privilege to not point it out because a lot of people that don't have that privilege don't have the platform to point it out. Very good. Um, and, and the, what about Chicago? You just do a tremendous job and um, it's just very powerful. So thank you for sharing that with me. I know this stuff isn't easy, but it is prevalent and it is relevant with everything that is going on. So thank you for sharing that um, yeah. positive stuff. 30th anniversary uh, at your radio station. Uh, I mean, just because like, it's so sad what's happened with local radio. You guys are such a big market. Minnesota has been a big market out here in New York. It's a big market. You know, what are you guys doing to celebrate? And why is that important to, to just kind of applaud yourself and be like, we've been here for 30, 30 freaking years. And, and it is hard with the day and age of podcasts and all this kind of stuff. I mean, let's be honest, like people, I'm 24, everyone that I know plugs in their phone and listens to their, uh, you know, their songs their music, whatever. I'm old school. I still listen to AM radio down in Miami at seven, nine, the ticket. This is important, man. Tell me why. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that. You're the one, um, <laughs> no, like, like I, I do I think you got to celebrate yourself because of what you said. If, you know, Hulu and Netflix and Apple and Spotify and podcasting and satellite radio and all that stuff hadn't come along, the score turns 30 and it's covered on all the TV stations and other radio stations and in the newspapers. Yep. But score turns 30 you know, Chicago's got a lot of other stuff going on, much more important than the score turning 30, uh, as we just mentioned. But also, like, you know, if you're not going to celebrate yourself, then in this day and age of splintered media, then who is? Some unbelievable people have come through that radio station. You know, Mike Ditka used to not do press conferences after games uh, or during the week, rather. And just do the Mike Ditka show on the score. Think about that. Mike Greenberg, Greeny, covered the Bulls on the score in the Michael Jordan, you know, three-peat eras. Mm. Mike North ran a hot dog stand and got discovered and then was making seven figures. Story was he was making like 1.5 million. And I forget which year this was, but like, I want to say maybe it was like, 08, but maybe it was earlier. I maybe 09. I don't I don't remember when it was, but they're like, Mike, this is getting a little ridiculous. Like, 
we got to give you a pay cut to 750 grand. <laughs> and he said, I don't take half. And he quit. And it was like one of the craziest decisions ever. Cause like 750 grand, mm. uh, you know, and I might be, I think I'm off on the years there. So don't quote me on that, but like my, you know, Doug Buffone, Bears postgame shows, Bears Mondays, Dan McNeil, the heavy fuel crew, Boers and Bernstein, Boers and Bernstein, like that show, like, uh, like reinvented sports talk radio in, in some ways, like turn the medium on its head. Like the station's been an amazing place for a long ass time. I got two more left. We, we like to do career stuff just for younger broadcasters. It'll be two quick ones. I appreciate the time. One of the ones I got is the importance of seeing the potential somewhere versus moving on from your current situation to take that risk at a next station or a next, uh, a, a next place. How do you sort of determine that? Or, or is that just kind of unique to every situation? It's definitely case by case. Um, there's a ton of factors. And I do think that like, I'm pretty good at the industry and like understanding the industry. So like, I try to be a mentor to people who ask me those types of questions, sure. you know, um, CHGO just launched locally as like a sports digital startup and some people from our place, you know, left to go over there. And, you know, I know people that took that job that I was like, you absolutely have to take it. And I know some people that took that job and I'm like, eh, I'm not quite sure if I would have. Should like, you have a mental clock in your head? Kind of like if I want to be on air and I'm still a producer after six, seven years, kind of well, thing. Well, that, that's, so that's a different question. Like I, back in the day, the best way to get on the air was to be a producer at the station that you were at because not everyone was like sports talk radio. That's not going to work. Uh, and then eventually like it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so they just pulled from the pond that they had. I tried to get a job producing at the score after college. And it turned out to be one of the best things ever that I didn't get it. Nowadays, I personally think it's better to do the job that you want to do at a lower level. Sure. Than do yes. a do a behind the scenes job at a higher level, because like now it's really hard to find a great producer, right? Like I, I'm so lucky, like Chris Tannehill and Shane Reardon, I consider myself to have like the best producing team in radio. But like, if you're seen as a great producer, it's really hard to convince a boss to be like, but I also can be a great host because there's a lot more people. It's like being want... pigeonholed into a, a position. Yeah, there's a lot more people who want to be hosts than want to be career producers. My macro advice would be do the job you want to do if you can do it and the place where you see the path to the most like upside yes is a good breaking point right like i'll use i don't nick wouldn't mind like i'll use like nick was like when he was like trying to make the jump from national radio to like some tv he had some interest from espn he had some interest from fox sports one and like espn was like you know the old established thing but like to to rise all the way up through espn he would have done it because he's legitimately a genius and one of the best but like you got to like go through a lot of competition. Yep. You know what I mean? To, to rise up, to get in your own show. And I was like, man, over here, they got like three people and they want to make you like the fourth and build this huge network. Like they're going to use you because they have to. So I, I do think like a path to upside is like a very, if I could be general, because again, it's all case by case, but yep, like a yep. path to upside is something that I would tell people to, to keep in mind. But the number one thing is like, do the job that you want to do. 
even at a lower level, if you can do it. What do you see in younger broadcasters, like the big mistakes that you see in younger broadcasters that we all could work on? A couple off the top. I mean, trying to sound like other people because it's a, it's a fine line. Like I've taken things from Lebetard. I've taken things from Dan Patrick. I've taken things from Nick. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'd be crazy. I've taken things from Colin. Colin Coward's a genius like at this stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I love Colin. Like, um, you'd be a fool not to, but there's a fine line between stealing from the best in terms of like a Dan Patrick interview technique of like short question followed by long question. You don't impersonate Dan Patrick. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't, you can't do analogies like Colin Cowherd because you can't do analogies better than Colin. You can't ask short, pointed, hypothetical questions better than Dan Patrick. You can't uh, be as irreverent and funny and jocular as the Dan Lebetard show. But you can say, I want my show to be irreverent. I want my show to ask smart questions. Yep. I want my show, you know what I mean? And then you pr- like filter that through your mindset and your sensibilities because like the it's cliche and corny, but like, no one else could be more you than you. So you may as well maximize yourself, mm-hmm. but like learn from them, study them, but don't imitate them. Take, pe- the take different pieces. Just like, you know, just like an athlete. This is, it's very similar. Like when you were talking to me just about you going to Syracuse, you have all these different guys. It's the same way that these coaches sort of sell these recruits. You walk into Kentucky, you see Devin Booker's jersey, you see Carl Towns' jersey. And you're like, all right, well, what's it going to be? What do you want to yeah, do? I mean, yeah, Kobe stole Jordan's turnarounds. Uh, sure. You know what I mean? Like sure. <laughs> there's no, there's nothing wrong with it, yeah. but he's you know, like, you, you'd be a fool not to, right. It, it worked. So like, again, you can steal from people, you can study them, but don't, don't do a cheap knockoff of them because then you'll never get better. And then the other thing, like just like the blanket thing that I say to, to young people. So I know it's not exactly your question, but two things, one, do it. You, if you got a computer and a microphone, you can do a podcast. Yep. doesn't matter. Zero people listen. Second thing, people reach out to me all the time. Like, can you get me a job at the score? And it's like, well, like maybe if you were my best friend, I could like put my thumb on the scale or whatever. And if you were something short of my best friend, I could get you a meeting. And I've done that before. But networking with someone like me, in my opinion, is much more useful if you want to like say, here's my podcast is this good? Yes. Can you listen Feedback. to this and give me an air check? Yep. Because I will say like, okay, you want to work at the fan. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to be like uh, Greg Giannotti. Like, oh yeah, man, me too. Giannotti is like unbelievably talented, funny, ama- amazing talent. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Who hired Greg Giannotti? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Who runs the fan? And they're like, oh, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Boomer they don't know the PD. Yeah. You don't know the PD. Like, where do you want to work? Who hires people at that place? Make that person know you. That is like the number one piece of job getting advice that I recommend to people. Like introductory email. I will meet you anywhere for coffee. All right, Danny Parkins, everyone. Thanks everybody for listening and tuning in today. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. BarrettSportsMedia.com is the website. I'm Steven Strom. Have a fantastic rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you next Thursday here on the Sports Talkers podcast. 
Thank you for listening to the Sports Talkers podcast with Stephen Strong. A reminder that each episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. To stay up to date on future episodes, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.